our pre-show conversation is like, oh, well, I got something to say, but I'll tell you about it in the update. You'll yep. find out in five minutes. But hold out. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't by. need the, don't want the teaser. I want, uh, it. I want the good stuff. <laughs> I feel like the, well, I guess we're in it now. So, you know, as usual, happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Uh, I was trying to think of a slogan, but I I feel like in my sleep this morning, I was like thinking of like, I came up with my tagline, but I got nothing now. But you lost it. Next time. Yeah. yeah, I'm doing all right. Yeah. I've been, uh, I don't know, motivated, but exhausted for the past week or two. So exhausted because you've been doing a lot of work as a result of the motivation or just like exhausted, just like. I think I yeah know. because it's like you know I'm I'm like getting after it uh which if that's not a term for people <laughs> I've just been like you know I've been like working a lot on like you know like cuz I have this full-time contract but then I've also just been like actually motivated to work on the side thing as well so yeah I but like so much so that I can't turn the brain off when I want to go to sleep and stuff and and that is problematic right i like i definitely struggle with that sometimes where i just feel like i actually really don't want to think about this right now for me it's often work and i should preface that this has been significantly worse at other points of my life but it's just like i feel like i don't know if you'd agree that we have the types of jobs where like you're kind of constantly problem solving different things and sometimes they just like kind of sit in your head and you ruminate on them for a while and i'm like a heavy ruminator pre-work like I'm the type of person that like I think about things in my head for a long time before I put like a pen to paper. But I often find myself when I'm like trying to relax or go to sleep or just have a shower that that's just on like constant. Sometimes I'll wake up in the middle of the night to get a snack because I'm a midnight snacker and it will come back. (laughs) I'll be thinking about it again. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, like chill, you know. But I think I took it like a level deeper in that like my dreams were Mm -hmm. all about this stuff and it wasn't it wasn't a peaceful sleep. Like it wasn't like right. a restful sleep. I was like d- chewing on these problems, which was exhausting in itself. It was like, so this weekend I've been trying to let myself like sleep in and stuff. And, but even that has been like a bit tricky. Yeah. To, yeah. It's really hard to just turn the brain off when you're like excited about something, but like it's not productive after a super long day at like 1am to be like trying to like, solve this problem and and i'm just like okay we we can do this tomorrow but brain says otherwise so. right and like i don't know i think to me there's certain parts of that are that are actually like it's a nice feeling it's it's nice to feel that like want to dig in um and i know like i also really enjoy staying up late and working on those types of things however that doesn't mesh well with like performing extremely well the next morning at work so like unfortunately these are the types of things that you have to balance because like you know also our day jobs are paying us to be like high performers so yeah um, yeah, yeah exactly. it's, it's, it's definitely an interesting thing to balance yeah i've also been like trying to get up early and like mm. uh but anyway yeah we'll get more into that how are you doing what's going on yeah yeah uh let's see so updates on my side um i guess like just highlight from the weekend i got to go see my grandma yesterday which i don't know if anyone's interested in that but my grandma is like this just the sweetest most awesome woman ever and she uh it was her birthday this week i've only seen her once since march um mostly because like she like it's i don't know we can't go inside obviously 
And even like she's a little she's quite older and frail. And so it's like also hard for her to go outside and sit outside. And she's quite deaf. So it can be hard to have conversations from a distance. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've like I need to get into a better habit of doing it more. But I tried like writing a letter. But like that's a bit difficult too. anyways. Point being, it was really nice to go and see her yesterday outside. Um, So, yeah, that's that's a highlight. I haven't gone in a long time. I did take the subway there because I was super tired in the morning. And yeah, it's a it's not a comfortable feeling for me to take the subway. I think I'll I'll it's a reminder that I'll just bike. Uh, There's definitely people try to be good about it, but some people just like absolutely don't wear masks. Yeah, there's a I know I've been on it as well a couple times. And yeah, some people it's getting more and more like divisive, like and political to like wear a mask or not wear a mask and it's it's really frustrating and i was like i i I go pretty far across the line like just across one line but from like east end to the west end and so Mm -hmm. i was like okay i'm gonna like sit on this seat i'm not gonna touch anything i'm gonna sanitize my hands after and i found a spot that was like away from everyone but then obviously someone comes and sits like close to me without a mask and now i'm like okay i i'm not gonna say something because i just like there's no way that I'm like a single female on the sub. I'm not like doing it. Um, But then I was also like, but there's nowhere else for me to go. Like everything else is already distanced as much as it can be. So I just sat there. Like I was like, breathe shallow. Don't breathe deep. Like, I don't know. I don't know. That's helpful. So yeah. 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 It's a, it's a tricky one. Um, So yeah, that's just kind of personal life. Otherwise, I don't know. Sometimes we do Spanish updates. Uh, You know, I haven't been very good at doing my Spanish homework as usual. I have, this is going to sound embarrassing. Julio was like, you need to commit to five minutes a day. I was like, okay, <laughs> me too. He's I saying the same thing. He messaged me yesterday. He's like five minutes a day. And I was like, well, I failed. And then he's like, but you're still awake. Like you just messaged me. <laughs> and I just sent him like the shush emoji. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, yeah I actually, I start, I did, I did my five minutes yesterday or like I did a bit more. I have a, just a, uh, a grammar workbook that I just just did some exercises in that. So I'm like, I'm what just are gonna... you focusing on? Like, what uh, grammar are you uh, in? In class, I'm focusing on past tense right now. Same I don't know if you're doing the same. Yeah, yeah. and it's difficult for me. The I don't Eba like that Abba there are. One. Mul- yeah, I don't like there are, that there are multiple <laughs> past tenses. Yeah. I went on a rant about this the other day. I often go on rants about Spanish as though like that's going to change anything. I'm just like, but well, like. <laughs> In English, I just know there's just one, you know, just one. I learned or I learned or I walked or I walked. It doesn't really matter. Uh, Anyways. No. no, I hear you. Um, and Diego has started going down the path of learning Japanese. So uh, there's a lot of language learning going on in the house. Um, he has yeah. delved back into like deep into anime and that has spawned the learning <laughs> Japanese. So uh, he always likes to go for these kind of vague languages, like learning Russian and now Japanese. I yeah. obviously vague around here, like in terms of like context, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure not vague in Japan. Uh, like that would come <laughs> very useful. Uh, no, he decided cool. like a, a month ago that the next place we travel is going to be Japan. And then from there, everything has just really, really gone in the, the direction of anything Japanese is, is the highlight of his life. So anyways, that's kind of like personal side of things in terms of work and projects. Um, so unfortunately, like my 
my manager decided to leave the company. Um, so her last day was on Friday. Um, so that was like a huge bummer for me, which I think it's fine to talk about. I think she's aware. Um, she's, she's like one of those managers that's just absolutely like a phenomenal manager, a phenomenal person, super interesting, super smart. Um, I hadn't worked under a female in a really long time either. So that was just kind of nice. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just, it's, just like different. Um, I felt like she did like such a good job as a manager of putting me in front of opportunities that really uh, like got me to know the right people and present my work in front of the right people. Like whether that be uh, her like volunteering or like asking me to join doing presentations in front of the VPs or at an exec meeting or at an all hands. Like it definitely accelerated my path to like a quick promotion in her time here. And um, aside from that, she was just like a great manager to bounce ideas off of and super empathetic. So I'm bummed. Um, but I do have like a one of my teammates is stepping up to take on the manager role. And he's like more than equipped to do a very good job of that. So I think our team dynamic will change a lot. Um, but such is life, like people move on. Um, and I think people need to do what's best for them, obviously. So. Yeah, that sucks when you lose a good manager because it can be hard to come by. Not everyone is great at like, uh, you know, the, just some people get into management for whatever reason and they're better doers than they are kind of at like lifting you up. And it's it's just, it's a really hard skill to come by. And yeah, it's nice to work with people that you like. It's nice to just enjoy the company of your manager, let alone just be like a good tool for your or. I don't know, tool person for your growth as a, an employee and uh, in your career. But, you know, to be able to like just jive with them really well, that's, yeah. that's amazing. So, yeah. I think I've bad. been like, I think early career, I had some like mismatches with managers and I, um, yeah, I, that was difficult. I think both for me and the manager, because I have a fairly strong personality, uh, stronger when I was younger. I'm, I'm a bit more reasonable now, but um, my past three kind of bosses. So like Kelvin, who, you know, we worked with that. We Adrian at data and then Andrea at uh, Ecobee, like they've all just been absolutely phenomenal. And I think have really allowed me to craft my idea of like, what is it that I enjoy in a manager? What do I like? What did I like about these people such that now when I go into conversations, uh, I'm able to articulate that pretty well. Like I expect my manager to do X, Y, Z, uh, and I think it, it makes a difference um, because I think also if you're entering a conversation with a manager who doesn't have those qualities or is aware that those are those weaknesses, at least you can have that conversation up front. So I'm not unrealistically expecting somebody like to perform in an area like where they might not be able to or might not have the experience. And I can seek that elsewhere, too. So I think it helps if with you me had understanding to pick, like, you know, some of those qualities, like what would you say that you're looking for? Yeah, so I think like the the first one, which I kind of just mentioned, is like the the skill of being able to put your employees in front of opportunities that are a good match for them, but also like really relate to promotable skills. Um, so like a big thing, and somebody sent around a video recently, especially with like women in tech, is that they often find themselves doing like a lot of what you call like glue work on teams. So like bringing people together, facilitating conversations, helping unblock people. And those are all great things often in like more technical jobs that actually like can hurt females because they're not these promotable skills in terms of, let's say like 
developing your technical skills or whatever it is. I think it's hard to measure that, you know, like how well a team is, uh, I don't know, functioning, I guess, or like, yeah, yeah, that's fair. And so I think like understanding whether you're in a technical role or my role, which is less technical, um, like where your employees are taking on work that are like of interest, but maybe not going to super benefit, like benefit them in the scale of getting promoted. Like if that's a priority for them, that's a helpful thing to identify and also putting them in front of those things that like if your company has a skills matrix, so things that you need to fulfill to get to a promotion, making sure that you can pair people with that, but also in a way that works for them. I found that like it's really nice to have managers that uh, understand that different employees have different paths to success. So even whatever their path was to success, that mine is not going to be that. And my peers is also not going to be that. Uh, I think that like having that empathy and understanding and skill of like identification and matching is such an important thing as a manager. Um, Mm -hmm. And beyond that, like I just really appreciate people who like are empathetic and have great emotional intelligence. So like being able to understand when people actually need help, uh, when you should be pushing people and when you should not. And I think like I've had uh, a few great managers, a few managers who are really great at that, that will like push me into opportunities that I'm apprehensive about at like a reasonable um, rate, I guess. Uh, So that's been super helpful. It's interesting too, because like a lot of that even relies on just like company culture of like what enables the manager to be a good manager. Cause like that assumes like that they have the autonomy to put you in these positions that or like these um, activities that will be like, you know, recognizable or like promotable skills and, and things like that. And, and I've seen, yeah, both sides of it where it's like, you know, the person that I'm reporting to is like, you know, the CTO and he can just be like, you know what, go on this project. And like, yeah, on our skills matrix, it's like, if you can like own this project and kick ass, like you get a raise or whatever. And it's like, you know, and then I've been in other positions where it's like, you know, oh, we have like our skills matrix, but then we have all the stuff that like, we have to do and like there's not really a great way to align the two um based on like just not having like team autonomy to to kind of match those together i don't know it's an interesting i think that's actually a really interesting um i don't know if you call it quality but like being able to yeah i guess it's like make sure that your employees are growing while also moving the company mission forward and like getting the work done so it's like balancing yeah. those while not just leaving like one person doing the grunt work it's like kind of distributing that between people and making sure that everyone's getting opportunities to grow where they need to like right uh, yeah. and i think it's like it's i think it's as a manager like very telling what beliefs you truly hold like if you truly believe that happier employees are going to result in like a better end product and better productivity. Like you're going to act in a very specific way. Or for example, if you like actually believe that diversity in your workplace is going to make you a more profitable and successful company, you will act very differently than if you're trying to just like meet a diversity initiative because somebody told you to. I think I was having a conversation with somebody about like end goals for some of our women in engineering stuff. And they asked me, like, why is your goal 50-50? Why not like 60-40 or whatever it is? And I was like, because like I genuinely, like I genuinely uh, prioritize diversity. Like I genuinely believe that a diverse workplace is going to like make us deliver better based on gender and other qualities. But like I, I'm not going to step forward and say that like an 100% like women 
led team is is going to be as successful as one that's mixed because I just I think that there's like different experiences, life paths that different genders bring to to a team. And so anyways, just like a ramble there. But again, I think like depending on what you truly prioritize as a manager, like your behavior will be very evident um, in that. Yeah. And illustrate. That's cool. That's cool. I think it was cool to pull some of those things out of what makes a good manager. Yeah. So um, aside from that, uh, at work, I think some interesting things, or I guess I'll just touch on one interesting thing that I've been doing with one of the squads that I I work with right now. Um, Have you heard of the, I'm assuming you know what the bus factor is. Is that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so for anyone who doesn't know, uh, the it's idea a morbid of the, way, of yeah. <laughs> so, so I should preface that we have switched the bus factor to another word, which I'll explain in lottery a lottery factor, but, right? Which is nice. something yeah. that that Sandra, who was I think you previously worked with, sh- she inspired that at the company to like, yeah, that wording. might be where I know it from, yeah. right? And so the idea for anyone who doesn't know what the bus factor is is the idea is like if somebody on your team was to get hit by a bus, um, like what skills would be missing where would the gaps be like would you be able to kind of keep doing your work and so to explain why that's changed the lottery factor the idea is if somebody on your team won the lottery and left like where would you be so uh yeah i think it was really interesting um on the team to undertake basically like you have all of your team members list out what skills they have on like a kanban board essentially and then people are able to like upvote skills that they also have so we can understand which skills are very well held across the team and which ones does like only one person know. So then as a team trying to make action plans towards like, how do we make sure that more than one person understands this? If it's a skill that like we believe should be more widespread, obviously we have different roles on our team. So maybe there's like some super specialized SRE tasks that we don't think the entire team needs to know because likely another SRE would take that over if ours left. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, Which in, for anyone just a site reliability engineer, yeah. right, right. Uh, people who make sure like all our services are stable and running and, and up. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, that's that that's been super interesting. And I think uh, it brings up a lot of interesting conversations on teams, especially where there are like more formal lines between dev and QA, like what would happen if like they both one went on vacation and one had an emergency, like are we able to like still get work out the door or like, what does that, what does that look like um, on both sides of it? Like, um, so anyways, uh, that's kind of just like an interesting exercise that I thought I'd bring up just in case anyone hasn't like heard of it or done that before, but uh, it definitely generated like a lot of interesting action items. And I'm partnering with some people on the team, for example, to get together more of like a, a team study group right now to be focused on SRE topics Um, but in the future on other things. So like trying to really embed that goal of like ongoing learning uh, on the team, both like in the work that we do, but also like outside of that. So taking an education, whether it be from each other or through courses or or elsewhere. But um, yeah, I'm curious to see how that pans out and to do the exercise again in a few months down the road and see if um, things have shifted or adjusted based on our conversations and actions. So yeah, we've That's definitely cool. I've been on teams where it was like all in one person's head or like, I don't know, they like, yeah, whether it was um, skills or like just information like passwords and architectural right. understanding, like we would try to like pull that out into like diagrams or at least some documentation or password manager and like those things can go a long way as well. Yeah, yeah. Un- unfortunately, or like 
uh, like in reality, a lot of sometimes what comes up is like, we just really need to document this thing, which isn't always the most glamorous task. So figuring out like, how do you in- include that in your day-to-day product and testing work and all of that? Um, I know one squatter team at my org, like they actually have like kind of like documentation smash days, kind of like you would have like bug smash days where the whole mm-hmm. team just works on documentation for the whole day to just like get it done and all be on the same page and get a huge chunk of it done which I think is like always a good idea to do some undesirable tasks together for like a period of time. One thing I really like as a, I don't know, as like a strategy for this is like, especially if it's like, I don't know, you're onboarding, like anytime you onboard a new person into a team is when you often find that your documentation is lacking. And so you can actually put that onus on the person onboarding has to go and make those updates as they come on as to what would make it more clear and so whether that means like you're talking to the team, but then you're going and checking that back into the docs, it's like, where are you getting stuck? But then don't you you have to own putting that in. And it's an easy first exercise if right. you're like on a code, you know, uh, a coding team or whatever, like that you can kind of just like improve for the next person that comes along. And yeah, I, I really like that. I think anytime, th- and it, it doesn't have to be just new people, but like if you are a person on the team and you have to go into a part of the code base that you d- are asking these questions, how is it working and whatever, and it's not documented properly, well, then you can go and talk to who is on there, but make sure that you're capturing what's there. And I think it's a really good strategy to just make sure you're doing as well as you can. You're never going to be perfect, but um, but yeah. Yeah, I think that's like a, a great idea like a great idea and also for new people joining the team gives them additional like you know first 30 days type tasks or first 60 whatever it is um so they don't feel like that they're only providing value if they're like pushing out new features because there's like so much more to a team that 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 can be done um beyond that and sometimes that can take a little bit of time to ramp up on um so that's kind of yeah just like an interesting thing at work and then Outside of work, I think the last time that we chatted, uh, we discussed a project that Diego and I are working on, which for anyone who didn't hear that, it's basically um, a Slack app, which facilitates rotating team members through responsibilities. So, for example, uh, if Cam and I are on a team and we want to share the responsibility of facilitating stand up, this would automate those rotations and those reminders. Um, And that's kind of like the 60 foot view of that. So. At your great advice, uh, basically the only progress that has been made since then is working with the company to get released on doing the work. So we haven't actually started doing uh, a bunch of work today. We wanted to make sure that we were essentially released from our, had been released by our company to be able to do the work such that Mm -hmm. they don't own it. Um, Which is such a weird thing that like anything, Things I do outside of work could be owned by my company. But anyways, I don't I'm not an HR legal person, so I'm just going to do what I need to do to get released from it. Um, so yeah, they, yeah. they were. Go ahead. Sorry. I just yeah, I mean, I've I've I've, I've been through this, obviously. Uh, well, not obviously to people listening, but you know about this. And and I do understand or at least empathize towards like, you know, when I finally like got to speak with like the VP of engineering about it and like what you know it's like there are some gray areas in there that like if you know the company were to get acquired or something like that then like they go through all of the like 
that maybe their lawyers go through everything that the company owns or like um people have signed and then they see what has been started in that time like the, it could it it may not be that you know the company that you're working for right now uh wants to control those assets but maybe the purchasing company finds a loophole to control those assets uh and right. so that's where you like can actually run into things like but yeah i i would prefer that like you don't have to sign necessarily those like that clause that's that's in a like onboarding um like handbook or whatever but yeah but yeah i do understand like you know what the issue can be there so anyway back back to yeah you. so i think like they were like it was they're pretty reasonable about it basically like we have to just kind of provide them a written summary of what we're planning to do so we're going to do that today because we just met with them last week um and if everything goes as it should which i think it should basically it will just be like an agreement that like like ecobee has no ownership over it and also that like they like if we ever wanted to use it at ecobee like ecobee will never pay us any money for it like period Mm-hmm. Um, which like, I think there's like, there's another app at our company that somebody else has built on Slack that the company uses or some people in the company use. So I gather it's just like, they're using it as a testing ground, but the company will not actually like financially compensate them for it in any ways, which makes sense mm-hmm. because it's like kind of a huge conflict of interest. If you're like, you know, paying someone to do their job and then also paying them to like have an app, like it's just, yeah, it's it, the, the lines get really messy there. Definitely. Um, so I think. Yeah, today we're kind of going to have our first like dig into like roles and responsibilities and our initial like, I don't know, essentially like tasks that we want to take care of, uh, both related to like engineering and the business side of things. Uh, Because I think based on like some conversations yesterday, I think it's still like unclear to us exactly where both of us will sit in terms of roles and responsibilities. So formalizing that a little bit will or a lot of it will be uh, beneficial to us. And then just like, yeah, making sure that we're like have blessing to go ahead and start working on that outside of work um, will be extremely important for us. Yeah, for the roles and responsibilities, it's interesting. Like, it's easy to just say, like, you know, big picture, like, I'll do this, you'll do that. Like, you, I'll do this, you do the coding. But like, there's so much more to like, I don't know, the project management and the coding. There's like the marketing. And then there's like, who deals with legal and accounting type issues and and like you know how do you balance all that and how do you who deals with like design and you know um and even if you don't like have all the skills um i've heard that a good way to look at this is like i don't know you can it depends on how you want to build your company but you can look at like what your theoretical like org chart kind of structure would look like in two three years where you're like um and like who would each of these people report to you know so it's like if you did have someone working on like the legal side or the design side or copywriting or you know these different roles that come up in in a SaaS company um then you can kind of like look at like who at least owns that and and that might be a good way to like internalize it versus just like what will you do what will i do because maybe you end up hiring contractors for parts that are not like core skills like i hire an accountant because like (laughs) yeah i don't want to do that and i i couldn't really so Uh, i mean i could but it's boring as shit so (laughs) yeah and i think it's like interesting because for him and i there's like if if you were to look at us it seems like there's like obvious divide of where we would take on different things but even yesterday like 
some initial conversations we were having when he was kind of talking about like, well, I just wanted to like investigate the API and figure out how it works. And I was kind of like, well, like I, I could also be included in that. Like I get that I'm not an engineer and I'm probably not going to do any of the development work, but like, it's important for me to also understand these things just a, because like it's interesting to me and did I say a that's a, and then B yeah. because like <laughs> a I want, I want to be a three, five, um, <laughs> Uh, so uh, I was trying to think of how you say a Roman numeral out loud, but I guess it's just the same as a number. Um, so yeah, but like it's also important for me to to learn as part of this project. So like you know, I've yeah, always yeah. taken on like business side of things for my entirety of my career. Um, like I mean, I went to school for business essentially, and like I work on like I work on technical teams in a non technical role. So like that's my day to day. But I'd like to like be more in the nitty gritty on understanding how things work, how they're set up um, and take that as a learning experience. But I think in terms of like actual roles and responsibilities, I will likely take on things that are much heavier on like business marketing, planning side of things. But like you mentioned for like hiring people out, like I'm not great at design or UX. Like I can take a stab at it. I think Diego's probably actually much better at it than I am, but I don't think it's like, the passion or skill of either of us. Um, but it's a super important thing um, when building these kinds of things out. So figuring yeah. out kind of where those lines and either like desire to do or desire to learn exist. Uh, so that I think be- the desire to learn is like super important there. It's like, um, yeah, knowing that you do want to, you know, take on some of that and it, and then it finds ways to like build that into what you can do. Uh, and whether it's, I don't know, maybe you start like, maybe you're like, reviewing some code at first or maybe you do get into like some pairing on stuff or maybe you um try and like work together on like documentation so that at least the like you're saying you want to understand the mental model of like what this thing is doing and like you could like the technical docs can like help in that or maybe you're building i don't know did i already say that like the marketing website or something like that so right you know you might have these different ways that you can like I don't know, put your, get your feet wet in the code side of things. Cause obviously that's an interest you have. You've been like working towards that as well. Yeah. So. And and, think, and that this side product should be, should be fun. Like you sure. should enjoy what you're doing. It, yeah. yeah. And I think it's like so interesting because we're actually also working on an org initiative together right now, like at work. Um, and, and him and I are actually leading it, but we have some other people working with us on it as well. Um, and so like, you know, because it's outside of our core work, it's one of those things that can get deprioritized. And like, I have definitely found myself in a position where I'm like, I'm blocked. I cannot move this forward in any meaningful way because I am not an engineer. So like I am a hundred percent blocked and I, there's, there's no way that I can personally move this forward other than like facilitating, like, what do you individuals need as engineers? Do we need more people? Do we need more time? Do we need more space together? And like, the results of having those conversations was like positive and we, we get on the right road, but it's like also kind of, I don't want to have such a sh- like shitty feeling when I'm working on my own thing that like I am 100% blocked. Like I want to be able to like dig into things and try to do it and try to move things forward. Even if it's like a bit outside of my wheelhouse, um, just because, yeah, I think it will make me feel more connected to the work that we're doing. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, so. that's cool. It's awesome to hear that, you know, the plans you have, I did go through like, you know, when I was chatting with Mohammed um, about Hopscotch, like the project that I'm going to work on and more on that in a few. But like we went through this whole list of co-founder questions and, right. you know, I, I, even just taking a look at like, I think it's you Google like co-founder questions. It's like this list of 30, 30 something things that comes up. 
And even just looking at that, and a lot of these you already know about each other, but like it probably will just like um, give you some reference of things that you weren't thinking about. You know, right. it might be it might be as simple as like how big do you want this company to be? Like if you, if it does take off, like yeah. do you want to be managing a hundred people and like or and your or like what audience do you want to be serving? Like you want to be serving enterprise or do you want to be serving small business? I guess right. for what you're doing, it, it sounds a lot more like enterprise focused, um, but not necessarily. Um, but yeah, that thing of like how, how big you want this company to be like could, could be a deal breaker, whether for you sure. want to just like keep it the two of you and then just like slowly go on or it's like, no, eventually we want to raise money. There's a lot of good yeah. questions in that list. I'll, yeah. I'll add them into the show notes. Yeah, I'll um, definitely take a look. Yeah, so I think that's like kind of it for my jumble of updates this week. But before we jump into yours, I'm curious. Have you ever thought about or considered if you would Gabby would do a project like down the road together? Like, are there any like conversations you've had where that has come up or something you've considered? Uh, yeah, it hasn't come up yet. Um, but like definitely, you know, when I think about it, I could see it working very well together. Um but yeah, it's like in the place that she's at with like her work and in just getting going in, in her career, I feel like, yeah, it probably doesn't make sense right now for, for it. But, um, but yeah, definitely. I mean, like it was cool even when I was doing the beer finder stuff, which is like the last project I worked on. Um, we would go out and like, she, she studied photography and so, um, that came, that was really helpful and it was fun. We would go around uh, on weekends and take pictures of beer cans from like Ontario brewers to like use on our socials and stuff. And it, it was like, you know, this could be a fun, like this would be fun if beer finder like took off and like, this was how we spent some of our days was just like going around taking pictures of beer and then like enjoying one after like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Definitely. Um, so yeah, definitely. We've kind of like, uh, we've thought about it in that sense, but in terms of like formalizing anything like with, uh yeah i guess it's probably not there yet but i could see it you know it's like it's the same criteria that you kind of take for finding a business partner as finding like a romantic partner there's just so many similarities uh of like you need to com be able to communicate well and understand and have empathy for each other and you know know what like each other needs like there, there's just so, i've when I was going through these exercises of finding co-founders, the number of times that um, metaphor comes up and yeah. is perfect for describing the current situation is ridiculous. Like, it's, it, because it's just so relatable. It, it really is. I was going to say, it's interesting though, because I think like, I'm not trying to boost our relationships above like other people's, but I think it's like, it's similar to trying to build like a healthy relationship. I think if people have had experience with relationships where there is good communication and negotiation, all that kind of stuff, then like it's a good parallel. But I, it's also, I also think it's interesting how like some people like what they would want in like a romantic partner might be very different than what they would want in a, in a co-founder. But I agree that they're like the similar conversations that you need to have regardless of kind of what you, what you want. But without further ado, I have literally not spoken to you since our last podcast about what is going on with you. So I'm very curious and you mentioned that you have had a lot going on. So I'd love <laughs> to hear all about it. I guess like that, that's even a good segue of just like the co-founder part and like trying to identify like how you work well together. And 
with um Muhammad, who is like the person I was looking at co-founding Hopscotch um with. We like we have decided not to move forward on on uh like you know being a co-founder pair. And you know, we actually did check a lot of the right boxes. And there were some of those things like you you know, you said like your past history of co-founder relationships and whatnot, like that that baggage that you have in like previous relationships like definitely comes forward and it um and we even spoke openly with each other about that of just like we've both had uh situations where we have had a co-founder or co-founders that maybe we felt were not like fully like lifting to the amount that you know that living up to their kind of equity chunk (laughs) and what they what we wanted their roles to be and so that was one of the concerns that we both took coming into this that we were very serious about that because um you know we didn't want to end up stuck in that same position and also just like being the person to hold the other person back and so that actually ended up being like um so yeah where do i start with this i guess a couple weeks ago like um we were planning so we were going to have muhammad as a guest on work pals to just talk about like how we came together to be uh like how me and him came together to like start working on this company and then you know kind of publicly announce it and then sign everything um required to just say like yes we're gonna be 50 50 partners on this project uh and yeah we we did record that episode it was like a great conversation between him and i and in this whole process like we've probably spent i don't know 10 hours of on just like conversations of like figuring out how we would work together even doing some bit of trial work together and like our and all this stuff to like figure out how good the fit is and honestly we work really well together and it's a really good fit but um but yeah as soon as i went to publish that episode i just had this like bit of anxiety that like we hadn't actually like signed anything and then it made me start like um I don't know, second guessing a little bit like, and I wasn't sure if it was like, again, going back to the relationship analogy, like cold feet, just like before a wedding where you're just like, Oh, I don't know. Like, you know, maybe it's just, just got to dive all in, but I didn't want to just like publish it and be like, well, fuck it. Um, and so I ended up going to just like talk to him and say like, Hey, like I want to just, you know, this may be totally unfounded, but I want to see, like, uh, just tell you what I've been thinking about the, like, uh, I guess the, like, anxiety that I have and whether it is real or not, like, we can just Mm -hmm. have a conversation. And we had a conversation around that. And then we kind of both agreed, like, yeah, we can move forward with this. And um, we were both ready to do that. Um, And then kind of, like, yeah, I don't know. It was it was good, but um then we took another week or so and we we were working on stuff and then I was kind of just like, "Hey, we should like sign these agreements." And then when I kind of brought that up, I was like, "We should sign these agreements so then I can publish this podcast and we can really just like get to work on this." And right. in that time, Muhammad had kind of been thinking about um how like about all of this, of what I had said and about like really reflecting on like how much he could bring to the table. Cause I think one of my major concerns um, was 
how much time he has. He has another company that he's building right now. And he has a couple other projects that he has on the go as well. And that was like the baggage that I had been like red flagged about. Like I I had even said this to myself was like, I shouldn't, my next co-founder should be one that can come in at the same like level of commitment as me. Right. But it's amazing the concessions that you make for yourself when you start, you know, finding people who are like, you kind of just like, I don't know, um, turn a blind eye to some things, um, even if they are the exact thing you said to watch out for. Right. So, um, so yeah, kind of ended up, he, yeah, he came back that when I brought that up and said he wasn't sure actually if he could bring as much to the table to be a 50-50 partner. And I really appreciated him like bringing that up in you know candor and just like you know really thinking about it even though we had discussed previously like we had had this conversation and i guess one of the big takeaways is like you can't just have one conversation to realize if you're going to be a good fit like you have to have ongoing and like ongoing conversations and like just feel it out and you know when it came time to like put ink down to the paper like even if we had signed something in a couple months i expect like if things weren't going well we probably could have um figured that out but it would just be a lot harder so yeah long story long (laughs) um we ended up yeah just uh he basically said he gave a couple options and suggested i could either i being him like he was like i could either um you know kind of be like a part-time uh founder like kind of like with lower equity or i can kind of remove myself completely and like you can run with this and you know hopefully we can you know with with the intention of like not wanting to be a blocker for Mm -hmm. me because i had kind of raised the point that come the new year i really want to build this to be my thing like i i don't want to just build a thing and then man and then have to go and manage another thing like uh, if i'm building a company i kind of want to have singular focus like i think there's already a lot of technical complexity around this there's a lot of work to do it's not just like a small little project and so i think it's going to take quite a bit to run this thing and so i wanted to make sure that like for me it just made more sense um to have no co-founder than like a part-time like resource because it just um i didn't want to be at the end of the day yeah i didn't want to be blocked and i didn't want him to feel like he was blocking me and like how do you even measure that like vague um amount of work yeah um in terms of like a proper equity split and i had already tried that previously and it just didn't jive super well with me so so yeah, I'm going to be working towards this um, on my own and I'm, you know, bummed out in many ways to like not have that like other half. Um, but I'm also like really excited to be able to just like move forward with resolution around this. And, you know, there are a lot of, there are a lot of pros and cons I listed throughout this process. And a lot of the pros of being a solo founder um, is like, you know, Okay, so there, yeah, he has skills that I don't have. But eventually, if I can just get this to a point where it's proving itself, like I can hire for some of those skills. Right. Um, so, you know, that is one thing. I also just get the ability to 
give myself more freedom, like without having to always communicate um, every decision. And so, you know, if we were 50-50 partners, like probably for the best, we would take more time to come to decisions. Yeah. Um, but, you know, say that I wanted, say that I'm working on this now and I do have a contract or freelance opportunity come up, like I can just like make that decision on my own yeah. and say like, you know what, I can put this on pause or like work two hours a week and go and do, you know, this other thing and then come back to it. Like I can go at my own pace without feeling any sense of guilt or whatever. And yeah. I know that kind of like contradicts what I was asking of him, uh, of like wanting us to both be committed. But I think that's just the nature. If you're both in it, you kind of need to have like some way of, um, knowing that you're both in it to a certain yeah. level, whether it's like we, we were talking about maybe both of us putting two days, full days uh, into this project a week uh, where we're both available all day, kind of like, you know, remote, but like we're, we know that that's our focus. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so now I can kind of like come at this whenever I feel like it. And since kind of making this decision, uh, I've already just been kind of like, moving really quickly on things like I, I do think it's probably the right decision to um to do this so. yeah and i think like while it's not the same as having a there, there's a lot of pros to having having a co-founder and i think while it's not the same like i know that you've inserted yourself in maybe inserted is not the right word but you know what i mean into like different communities whether that be like indie hackers or like groups that you have with your your friends that you've met throughout your kind of development career um where you can like talk about these types of things so like you can find other people who are willing to be sounding boards and give advice and talk it and talk things out and while they might not have kind of that it's not that same in-depth knowledge where you're actually making decisions in conjunction with someone else but um there's a lot of support out there which i know you know so i think like leaning on that will be an interesting experience as well yeah and yeah i think you know if things were different like and we were both coming at this and didn't have like he didn't have another company like i think it would be the perfect partnership because like we could both just be like you know what let's go all in on this together and and then i think it would be a like a great fit in terms of like what we want to build how we want to build it and we're very aligned on a surprising number of things but, yeah um but yeah to your point even going to your previous point about there's certain things that you're not good at that you want to learn in this project that you're starting. Mm -hmm. And I have the same kind of feeling like I'm not the best at design, but I'm okay. And I enjoy it quite yeah. a bit. Like, uh, and so I, you know, can go about that at my own pace now and like design the app. And if I find it's like absolute garbage, I'll hire someone to, uh, to clean it up. Yeah. And, and like I've been kind of playing a lot more with that and like I've already gotten started on kind of like designs for what the user flow could look like once you log in uh, some designs on like marketing assets and things like that and and you know coming from a marketing background like it doesn't mean I have a visual background visual design background but I do understand like communicating messaging and like proper um, com yeah just communication and yeah. so I feel like, yeah, it'll be fun to include that as part of what I'm learning. So um, I guess, yeah, I've been um, this past week uh, started working on a lot of these like different parts of 
what that app will be. I even started and I'm probably not like as focused as I should be, but I, I listened to a podcast recently um, with a developer who kind of went out on his own recently uh, to be like self-employed. Yeah. And he has a really great website that like has all these little like subtle animations or not so subtle. And like, it's, you know, it's just a blog. Like you don't need to have all this stuff in your uh, website with these like cool 3D micro animations. Like those take time, but yeah. like it adds an element of like what he refers to as like whimsy, you know, it like makes it kind of like fun and like playful. And like, yeah. you can see the care that goes into that. And so I've been kind of just like, taking some time to like you know if i have like a marketing site and uh, a graphic that is going to be there like that's an svg i've been playing with like little animations around that so it's just subtly animating and you know some of that i'm doing with uh figma a design tool and some mm -hmm. of it through a code tool and it's like is that the priority for like mvp absolutely not but i want to make sure that a i'm having like a lot of fun doing this and i also think that like you, you can like like people recognize those things it's not as subtle as you think like it's right. not as um dismissive as you as you think to like take one of the, some of those things away um and i think actually i've learned a lot of that from this contract that i'm working on where i'm working on a lot of design and animation heavy um projects mm -hmm. and you know sometimes i think it's overkill i think there's an 80 20 rule to this yeah um but I think that there's a lot of value that you can have by just like doing these, like sprinkling these kind of like whimsical, fun little playful parts into your, um, into what you're, whatever you're building, whether yeah. it's an app or documentation or things like that, just add some fun into it. And it's going to be way more exciting and people will take notice. Yeah. I think there's like, there's, there's different approaches to it. And I think for you, it's like, you know what some of your goals are and some of those are profit and client related and some of those are learning and having fun. And so if that's the case, like I think, yeah, definitely take it on. And that's not to undermine what you said that like, you know, it, it adds a certain element of like, I don't know, like attention to like there, there, there's care and detail put into the things that are, are being put out there. Like obviously there's also the root of having like the most ruthless path to an MVP but if that's not going to be enjoyable to you, like you're probably not going to get probably not going to get there anyway. So I think, um, yeah, I mean, there's no perfect formula because like it's really about what you want to get out of it. So, yeah, I think that's cool. I saw on, I saw on Twitter you like tweeting about that, and, like clicked into some of your animations. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's fun. And yeah, it kind of gives fun things to share along the way as yeah. opposed to just like. I don't know, here's a database schema, like, <laughs> which is also <laughs> can be exciting to certain people. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, it kind of gives some more visual cues to share. And um, yeah, so let me see. Uh, that's, that's like the main stuff. Um, oh, I had a like random, I was doing some customer, some more research around this topic of, mm -hmm. of like, um, like the app that I'm building will be product tours, like when you onboard into apps and uh, and it kind of gives you like little tool tips to like show you show you around. And um, so that's kind of the space. And I was just like kind of digging through like indie hackers and Reddit and stuff. And I found this person who was like, what are you using for this? Um, like, I need a solution. I'm looking for something that like 
is mobile friendly and can do this and this and I'm not finding good results. And then that was from like August or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think August of this year. And so I found his email just on his <laughs> profile and yeah. sent, shot him an email and said like, did you ever like find a good solution to this? And he was like, we're using something, but it's not great. It's yeah. like clunky, but it's at least kind of works for mobile. And so I asked if we could jump on a Zoom call and we just like, and I had some questions kind of like um, a la mom test style, which is yeah. like a way of doing customer development uh, to figure out what their needs are for a product. And we hopped on a call one morning. Uh, he's in Germany. So it was like 8 a.m. my time, 2 p.m. his time. And it was kind of like a 20 minute call of just like that was super helpful in uh, like validating what things I should focus on, validating that this is a problem for people and, you know, what kind of like, you know, scope that people are expecting of a tool yeah. like this. Um, and yeah, so it was, it was really, it was great. I appreciate um, your like, uh, like your path to getting there and your boldness. Like I think like, yeah, it's super, people are interested to have their problems heard. And I think like, I'm trying to think of the right word, but like, I think you, you chose like an interesting way of, of, of finding like potential customers and having those conversations. And it's so interesting to me also just like how the internet enables that kind of stuff, but just also the amount of time, like how that stuff is so like Reddit is such a great place to obtain those things. And I've done that before when I was like considering other projects, like especially as they related to skincare and and people tracking it and how so many people post those exact same types of of posts. Like I want an app that does X, Y, Z. Does anyone have it? I can't find it. And then people literally giving like suggestions with all the pros and cons. Like it's very interesting to be able to see your potential customers discussing things at like such a granular level of what they want and what works and what doesn't based on actually using existing products. So yeah, it's like gotta love Reddit. I'm a huge Reddit girl. Yeah. And it doesn't stop at Reddit. Like there's a really good, uh, if you search Amy Hoy sales safari, it kind of goes into this approach. And I think they do use Reddit as an example, but like other places um, you can find like, cause you know, Reddit, you go and do a search for like this tool or like this problem. And like, you'll find all sorts of stuff of how people are solving it, but you can do the same thing on Twitter. Mm -hmm. You can do the same thing. um, And probably one of the better places even to do it is either. So I've done it on G2 or Captera, which are like review sites for SaaS products. And so you can find like the, you can go to those reviews, sort by negative, like, like one star reviews and see what the complaints are about these products. Um, And then another great place is companies support forums. Uh, So like so many companies have support forums and it's basically just a list of feature requests. And you can see that like, I don't know, Asana's support forum, like there have been people requesting X for four years and they're never going to build X. And so you just come onto that forum and say like, hey, if you're trying to solve X, I'm solving X. Yeah. And, and like, so yeah, you might you can, get banned, but maybe it'll be worth it. <laughs> possibly. Yeah. yeah. But you can also find like way, good ways to yeah. do that too, because yeah, like you can kind of say like, ah, oh, you know, like I'm, you know, you don't have to say like, I'm directly making yeah. a competitor, but you can just talk to them about like, how are you trying to solve that? But it's a really yeah. good point. I actually see it all the time um, for like Atlassian products. So Jira Confluence. So obviously, especially like Jira, but also Confluence, they've been around for a long time now. 
So sometimes you will go and I'm, I'm always trying to research, like push the limits of what Jira can do without add-ons. But when you go into those forums, there are things from 2015 that first of all, people get very angry. They are like, we have been requesting this for four years and like, why is it not here? But then people have created add-ons for Jira and they just post like, you can do it with this. And I, until you said this right now, I didn't even think like, I think some of them probably are coming from people who built the apps and some are just, oh, this is my solution. But uh, like, yeah, I guess people don't like get in trouble for suggesting that there. If anything, Atlassian is like quite supportive of that because they don't want to have to be the ones to build out all the functionality like right now. Absolutely. Um, and you'll see over time, like I've seen at least um, with Jira that add-ons that get really popular, Jira buys them and integrates them. Like there's this one app called Automation for Jira and it's essentially like an if this, then that type type Mm -hmm. like uh functionality for jira so like if i open a ticket and assign it to kaylin then like add a tag like best agile coach you know what i mean that's that's quite a joke but um like and (laughs) so it's like i used to love it and it was super like it was fairly inexpensive and and also now like added on to they, they basically bought it and now it's native functionality and so i always think that's interesting i also always wonder how much people get paid when like Atlassian buys your add on. I'm so curious to know, like, wow, yeah, like, no, definitely. Cause that's, it a, happened that's with massive. Like, and it's one of those things where you have to toe. The, I assume people have to toe the line between like taking a big chunk of money and like denying too hard because then you know that they're just going to build what you already have. Right. Which like a lot of people end up finding themselves in that situation where like they, don't accept like being bought out by like whatever the platform is. And then the platform just builds it themselves. So anyways, I find yeah, that like I such forget an what they space. call that, but it's kind of like feature stomping or something. Oh. There's some term for that, that like, I don't even know, but like basically when, uh, like when I first heard about it was when Snapchat came out and then right. Instagram released what stories or was, I don't yeah, know, yeah. something like, yeah. And, and it was just like, all of a sudden they were just like feature crushing, I guess. And it was just like that. You can like basically like take over. So yeah, and, I remember like yeah. six or so years ago, five years ago, this is going to sound ridiculous. Now I remember saying to a group of people, Instagram is dead. I was like, Instagram is dead. They're not <laughs> keeping up with Snapchat. Everyone has moved to Snapchat. Like it's just Instagram is boring. Now I literally was like, I don't go on it. I only go on Snapchat. Like I swear months later they added stories and like just demolished Snapchat with that. And so it's interesting right now too, because um obviously tiktok is like a massive player and they have like a lot more editing functionality and it's a lot more like vine in terms of like short video snippets so not the same as it doesn't fit in the 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 realm of stories um and it's not the same as like static videos and then now instagram has come out with reels which is like a competitor to that i don't think it's come out as Uh, strong as like um when they did stories to like what that did to snapchat but it's interesting now i see a bunch of influencers creating reels on Instagram. And it's often like a demographic that's more our age where their, their consumer base is already on Instagram. So they just want to use the functionality there rather than building out a whole new following on TikTok. So it's like interesting. Um, yeah. It's yeah. Uh, it's like a form of insurance for them to be like watching what other tools are doing and then like making sure to like copy it as quick as possible. And it really makes it hard to beat these platforms once they get yeah. up and running. And I don't um, know if you mentioned it or not, but like, Instagram had tried to buy Snapchat also. And they like, that's like a, a, a scenario where they didn't accept. And then like, I think like now are definitely not like 
doing so hot yeah. because of that. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then other examples. So just like you mentioned, like at Atlassian Tools. I guess there's a couple things here. Like you see it also. There was a really great interview with someone on Indie Hackers podcast. Um, that built this like poll panda which is like a github integration for like managing poll requests and mm -hmm. they did the same thing they bought it and then integrate it into their um maybe not into their core product but into their marketplace i think as a free thing so and and a lot of those end up being kind of like aqua aqui hires right, like where yeah. they um they buy it but they also buy the person like they they buy it so that they can hire the person into the company um, you see that a lot. Like Wealth Simple did that with Simple Tax. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's pretty common that you will just end up kind of. And actually, that's what Stripe did with indie hackers. Cortland Allen, um, who started indie hackers, like, um, used to have to do all these advertising and stuff, and then Stripe acquired them. But he also oh. works for them, and so I actually yeah, didn't know pretty, that. Uh, and it's a perfect channel if you think about it because Stripe is targeting like people just getting into running their businesses yeah. and it's all these like um, indie hackers are just starting and so like I, I probably I don't know I don't know if I use Stripe because of that but I definitely know Stripe and value them and like it just helps build their brand in my mind to know that they're like kind of supporting indie yeah. hackers and they're very subtle about it too so that's super yeah. interesting yeah cool Um, yeah so I guess yeah and and to your point actually just one more thing on that is <laughs> like that the like putting those in the forums like you say like oh I've solved this like and they're not going to be mad about it because a lot of the time like these companies this is like I guess what we're talking about here is like identifying opportunities like to and I was struggling with this probably a year ago up till six months ago of like how do you find good opportunities and like these are, are the ways to do it like going and like looking on forums and all this stuff and like and seeing like what companies have outgrown their existing customers or market mm -hmm. and there's no way that they're going to go and build this like super custom thing for this one right. group of people they've just gone beyond that so that gives an opportunity for either like a plug-in add-on or building a whole new thing depending on what the scope is and yeah honestly that's kind of what i'm looking at doing with um with hopscotch is like intercom has product tours built into it but intercom is like this beast that has like help like support desk it has chat it has emails it has right. the product tours it has you name it like segmentation all these things and so but if you want all of that like you actually have to get product tours as a part of that um like you can't just get it on its mm -hmm. own and so there's a big kind of uh theme or like trend in like um unbundling like products right now right. to come up with companies and i think that's you're seeing it with communities you're seeing it with like instead of just people going to reddit or whatever there's all these like just taking a subreddit and turning that into yes. a, a, a product or a project of its own a community of its own um same with like if you look at craigslist like that basically got unbundled from like apartments section got turned like apartments kijiji and then you have well i guess there's other things but like they have like rentals short-term rentals and that turned into airbnb they right. had like right uh classifieds or like personals ads turned like into like site. tinder yeah i never yeah, really exactly. thought about that but like yeah that's super interesting and then i think like though i was gonna say one thing that like sometimes though like w when i look at a platform like 
Jira or other platforms. Sometimes even I have conversations with, conversations with my teammates where I'm just like, I wish I could just have a conversation with their product people to understand why did you prioritize this feature? Because it's like they must have a group of intelligent people there making decisions somehow. But like an example is, um, so there's a, this is like an, uh, an obscure example, but there's a story points field in Jira. And for those people who don't know story points, it's like, a relative, fairly abstract way to estimate sizes of uh, work that you're doing, like how big and complex is it? And it's meant to be like quite like much more vague than ours. So we don't spend a lot of time like arguing the minutia of how long or how complex something is, but we get like a general idea. And for some reason, like they added the ability to like add decimals to your story points. And I was like, that is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever yeah. heard of. Like before, <laughs> let's say something like adding the ability to have multiple assignees, which would make much more sense in an agile space than adding decimals to source. So anyways, that's a super like niche example. But sometimes I just w- wonder, like I get you can't pursue everything, but I also wonder how you how these people are choosing. And I'm, there must be some logic behind it or maybe not. I, I agree. No, I agree. Some of that is just ridiculous. I had that recently with Notion in that I saw that they just had a release of like, uh, and I actually, I get where they're coming from, but like it bothers me still. Like they release something that's like timeline view or something. So you can uh, like on your boards or whatever, you can kind of do like a Gantt chart. Okay. So you can like see where the project's going to be over time. But like there, you know, people have been asking like, yelling for like years where's our api where's this that and like you know they just chose to obviously focus like a lot of time and energy on this like gantt chart view and i so i get it they're trying to play more to teams because teams is expansion revenue and expansion revenue instead of just like individual prosumers like me that give like i don't know eight bucks a month i don't even know four bucks a month like they can get like 10 bucks per user per month and so like to convert these teams like on enterprise uh, accounts, they need to add features like that. Yeah. But even that is an example of like notion going up market and kind of like leaving the bottom of the market unserved in ways. And it's going to present opportunities that like once the API does come out, there's going to be so many things that people can build on that and monetize because notion would just never take the time to do it. Right. Um, so, yeah, you just got to look out for stuff like that. It's interesting. Yeah, I think, yeah, there's a lot of complexity that goes into those decisions that I guess we don't see. Um, yeah, but I guess it's whatever they think is either going to like serve their customer base best or make them the most money or set them up for some type of future work. I don't know. Yeah, I forget what there's a framework for this. That's some like acronym, but uh, that you can kind of like it's a mix of like effort and like right priority and all that and it kind of merges them into something and like you can it is a bit of an art you know to figure out what you should build next um but so can't cast too much shade that's fair i'm not yeah i'm definitely not i'm i've been part of many teams where we've chosen to do the wrong thing many 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 a times i think yeah the, the 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 most skillful part is trying not to invest too much time into doing the wrong thing which is honestly difficult yeah. on its own and the bigger of a company that you get the harder it becomes so 100 percent cool um so the last bits i guess let's see i like i mentioned that i've been waking up early and 
going to bed late and just like kind of just like working on this a lot outside of the main gig and um and so first of all it's fucking exhausting and like <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know but i also like couldn't help like i'm just going to be sitting there like laying in bed thinking about this or or i can just go and like actually focus on trying yeah. to get some of it done i'm just i'm really excited for like the new year to come when the contract is up and i'm in this position like i hope i can keep that kind of energy alive until that point uh, and i'll have to do it by making sure to like pause a bit too like and actually slow down so that i don't burn myself out right um but yeah so things that i did start working on this week outside of just that animation stuff um i started building out like the widget basically what i'm building will need to be installed in the same way that like any widget would on a an app that you would like have a script that references uh like if you were installing google analytics yeah we put a script tag into your website so that it can like load up the thing on your site right and so just figuring out the architecture behind that because third-party javascript uh or widgets um is kind of like um it's a beast of its own that i haven't really had to deal with because you have like all these challenges around how do you scope that so that it doesn't interfere with their existing app and how do you keep the bundle size really small so that you're not loading a bunch more stuff into their app and slowing them down you want to make sure that you're like not uh, ruining their right, <laughs> your clients' right. websites, uh, and so yeah, I got that to a really good place. I'm using a tool called or a framework called Preact instead of React. It's just like a lightweight version that I think instead of like two or three hundred kilobytes, it goes down to three kilobytes. Oh, okay, um, which is a massive like uh, reduction in in code size, mm-hmm. um, and so. I've been working. It was cool because I didn't know much about it, but it works very similar to React. And I got to join a Slack group and talk to people who maintain that. And like, they helped me to get everything set up properly. Like, it's amazing just what you can do with the resources that are out there. Just right. talking to the right people. Like the, yeah, it was, it was just great. So um, very cool thing if you're, or very good recommendation if you're working on a widget type thing, try out Preact. Um, and then I also started working on the kind of like app login slash like admin area. So like most of what you would do with this is going to be on your website itself. I imagine like building the tours, showing the tours. That's like the, that's the core, mm-hmm. but there is still going to have to be like, where do people sign up and where do people kind of look at what tours they have and their analytics for them yeah. and how do they set up their integrations how do they pay like billing and stuff so i started building that out with a newish framework that i'm really enjoying it's called blitz.js and it's like a ruby on rails of javascript um but it's still alpha software like it's very nascent um but yeah i'm starting to use that to see if it's something that i can move forward with for um for building something out quickly as opposed to doing everything typically the javascript way is like you build all your pieces from scratch and you pick and choose this is kind of an opinionated get up and running quickly way to go about it and i'm hopeful that it will be um i don't know it's getting a lot of attention i hope it will just uh be a good way to go about it so that's where i'm at and hopefully more to come uh, if i can keep up the uh burning candle at both ends yeah, uh, but yeah 
That's awesome. Yeah. Like lots of, lots of great updates. I imagine like, because you didn't touch on day job at all. Like it's, it's a lot in addition to that, but uh, yeah, I think it's going to be like interesting for you. And I, I get that. Like when you're super into something like that energy level kind of like pushes you through, but you also have like, you know, the ability to take breaks now too, because it's, it's just you. So take care of yourself. And yeah, I think it's going to be great. Yeah, that I just need to like slow down a bit like today, you know, just go at my own pace, maybe work a couple hours on it and then just make sure to take time to like, I don't know, try and have a nap or something. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. Nap it up. Yeah, so awesome. Uh, all right. Well, we can wrap it there. If people want to find us, best place is Twitter at WorkPals. At WorkPals. See you later. Later. Bye.